Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the I Am statements in the Gospel of John. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, the I Am statements. I have to admit, I've never really noticed them. Yeah. And they're only in the one gospel. Primarily. I mean, I think that when people talk about the I am statements, they are specifically referring to the Gospel of John. Okay. It's very much a Johannine thing. Okay. Give us a little bit of a background to catch people up who may or may not have listened to past podcasts. Already. The difference between the Gospels quickly and easily. We have four Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mm -hmm. and the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are very similar. We call those the synoptic gospels. They kind of all follow this similar pattern. They tell the same story. You can find echoes across each other, and they're really very, very closely matched. Okay. And then there's this outlier, the gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written first in one region of the world. John was written quite a few years later in another whole different region. Okay. And so the Gospels are reaching out and telling the same story of Jesus and his life, but to different audiences at different times. Okay. And John, very much so. It's a very different style to it. Very different style. Okay. As I've said on previous podcasts, for those who have not had a chance to listen to them before, sometimes I describe John to youth and young adults as like John Lennon. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of the whoop-de-doozy, whoop-de-doo kind mm-hmm. of gospel where we start out with this great big, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was in the Word, and the Word was in God, and everything yeah. came into being through the Word. Even just through writing the script for this thing, I've <laughs> been singing Beatles songs in my head since that point. <laughs> so it's definitely not... A story that just tells the story. It's a story that has lots and lots and lots of different meanings, lots of depth to it. It's a little more poetic in its form and nature than the synoptic gospel that tells the synopsis of the story. Okay. Part of what gives it this kind of flavor are these I am statements that Jesus throws in all over the place throughout this gospel. Is it just one thing? I am the bread and that's it? He just repeats that phrase? (laughs) It would seem that way for a couple of weeks in our lectionary every couple of years. But no, he says it about various and sundry things. He says, I am the bread of life. Sure. That's one that's known. He says, I am the light of the world. Okay. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Here's one that mm, some folks may have heard. I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, sure. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Mm. Are these all for different things or are they all trying to get at the same meaning? They're different things within different contexts. Okay. And his point comes through within a given context, right? The thing about this that matters, the reason why it resonates so much is because the Greek words that are used for this in John's gospel are ego eimi. And those two Greek words are used in the... Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. I think we may have talked about it in another podcast, the Septuagint. Sure. 
which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures that was used within the time period when Jesus was alive and some of the Hebrews didn't speak Hebrew anymore. Okay. And so they translated the Hebrew scriptures into Greek and they have the Septuagint. Within the Septuagint, the words that were spoken from the burning bush Hmm. of Moses Mm -hmm. are, I am who I am. Oh, okay. So for folks who are unfamiliar with the story, right, in the Hebrew scripture, Moses is a child of the Israelite people. Yep. He's the one with the Ten Commandments. He's the one with the Ten who mm-hmm. gets the Ten Commandments eventually. But mm-hmm. in the beginning of his story, he's just a baby. Yep. Right? And he's set adrift on the river because all the firstborns are being killed. He's the one in the basket. He's the one in the basket. Which is why it's sometimes called a Moses basket. There you go. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh's daughter picks him up, raises him as a part of Pharaoh's household. Interesting side note, some people may not know. She needed a wet nurse. Oh. And Moses' sister had followed him. And said, by the way, I know a good wet nurse. And takes baby Moses home to his mama oh. as the wet nurse. Clever, hey? That's tricky. Yeah. So Pharaoh's daughter takes Moses in, but Moses is still nursed by his own mother. Huh. But he's raised as a part of Pharaoh's household. Lots of shenanigans go on. Trauma, blah, 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 blah. Moses runs away into the desert. Marries outside of the tribe and is a shepherd hanging out in the middle of nowhere, goes looking for a baby sheep who's gone off astray and finds a bush that is burning but is not consumed. Hmm. And this is the holy moment where Moses is told to remove his shoes because this is holy ground. He hears from the burning bush a call to return to free his people from slavery in Egypt. And... He says, who is talking to me? And God responds with, I am who I am. And in the Septuagint, those words are ego a me. Okay. I am who I am. Which is why it's important or at least interesting that it's echoed in the gospel. Precisely. Okay. So now we have this connection to this God of unexpected outcomes, this God that chases down freedom for God's people. God who sets God's people free through the Mm -hmm. Exodus, right? Who calls the unexpected. Moses didn't want to be called into this work and yet is called a God who calls people within community because Moses is called as like, I can't do it. Okay, well, you'll have your brother with you and your sister. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And Aaron and Miriam go alongside of Moses in order to set God's people free. So All of that, this unexpected God who calls weird people towards freedom in unexpected ways is all echoed and caught up in that I am statement. Okay. And so now we have Jesus in the Gospel of John saying, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it echoes all the way through at various and sundry different points. Clearly making this connection between God and Jesus. Sure. If you know where to look anyway. Exactly. And beginning this idea that will eventually set the early church towards proclaiming a Trinitarian God. Is that something you think they picked up more on in the early church than we might necessarily pick up on today? Yes, because it was their language and it was their faith, right? So if this was written to those who had Jewish ancestry, they would catch that automatically. Interesting. It's a big moment. Mm -hmm. You know, we, Yahweh is the Hebrew I am. Mm -hmm. And so it's a word that is known. It is a phrase that is absolutely known. It would catch the ear. 
Okay, so let's take a look at some of the different I am statements. Okay. People have heard, I'm guessing, I am the bread. And you said yeah. that one comes up quite a bit in certain sections. Yeah, with our whole lectionary that repeats every three years, there's an entire section that week after week we're hearing about the bread section. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is the bread of life, and we're going to eat the bread and make some bread and... Anybody want some bread and there's some bread okay. left over? It's really So he's the long. sustenance. He's a, he's a thing. We can kind of get that. What about some of the lesser known ones? Like? Yeah, like I am the true vine. Mm. What's the point? So this is where Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Okay. I come from God and you come from me. These are all rich metaphors. That's okay. the key on this is that Jesus isn't saying I am literally made of wheat and gluten and you know, no. spelt, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. He's making the metaphorical approach of, I am the thing that is going to sustain you through your daily work. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the creation that comes, the source of me is God. And I reach out into the world and I travel and you come from me. We are all interconnected through me. I am the vine mm -hmm. and you are the branches. And you as the branches off of this vine go into different places, producing different fruit in different ways. But it all comes back to the one true vine that pulls us back with our nourishment from God. Okay. A lot of them seem inclusionary. They seem, I am, here's the thing, and you all are diverse and wonderful and grow from that, and that's fantastic. What about the one where you're the gate? Yeah. Is he keeping people out? Well, in that scripture, yeah, this becomes a challenge, right, for progressive Christians who want the gate wide open. Sure. Um, Everybody's welcome. Right. And that is true. And I think that that holds true. Jesus in this says, you know, I am the gate. I keep my sheep safe. This isn't a whole shepherd section where we get Jesus is the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. I know my sheep, my sheep know me. That kind of section. And I am the gate that keeps my sheep safe. So it's not exclusionary so much as protective. In my reading of it, okay. correct. I think that there are plenty of other people who would say... Something know, slightly different. Yeah, who would say something different. And especially with the second half of I am the way, the truth, and the life, because mm -hmm. the second half of that verse is I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm. And so you can absolutely go exclusionary there. That the only way to understand God creator father in the trinitarian way of understanding it as a christian is only by going through jesus christ and that only one tends to get jesus. bandied about quite a bit oh yeah and it's often at funerals oh it's one of those suggested funeral texts is it supposed to be comforting i think for some folks that it is okay because we could do an entire another podcast on why do people find it comforting to exclude other people? Well, because it means that you're in. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? And so if you know that you believed in Jesus or your loved one believed in Jesus, then an exclusionary text in that or an exclusionary reading in that way is comforting to you because you know your person made it to heaven. Especially if you are someone who prescribes to a heaven and hell kind of understanding of our world. I don't. I don't either. Jesus and, is not pie. There's enough for everybody. And so there's theologically, depending upon your background and how you were raised and what you were taught, mm -hmm. that could be very comforting. I find other passages more comforting than that one. That's fair. So I'm guessing it's one of the major pieces that makes the Gospel of John different 
language wise. Is there anything else? I think it's definitely one of the hallmarks okay. of it. And it's kind of, I don't know if you ever had, and I'm totally answering your question, right? I'm not just beating around the bush. But did you ever have in Pennsylvania when we had our like, get to know your state class? Sure. They taught us about the different types of rock across the state so that if you were dropped down anywhere in the state, you could kind of guess where you were by looking at the rock. <laughs> I know you it's realize. weird. From Iowa, we really just had corn. You just had <laughs> corn in Iowa. Okay. So, like, in PA, you had areas of shale that went sure. one direction or another direction or, like, Appalachian Mountains. Anyway, if you were to be handed a reading and you saw the words, I am, mm-hmm. you could tell you were in the Gospel of John, okay. right? Like, it's one of those that would allow you to know your geography of where sure. you are in the scripture. So, it's definitely one of those It's not the only unique thing about the Gospel of John, but it is certainly one of the identifiers of the Gospel of John. Another one is the use of the word sign. Okay. Right? Instead of saying that things are miracles, that things are signs. Mm, Okay. Did we cover that in a podcast? So folks can go back and take a look at that. And those are kind of the two big pieces that make this poetic, spiritual, esoteric gospel unique are these big, deep, metaphoric I am statements and the signs that we have. Do you think that makes it easier to read or harder to read? I think it depends on what kind of a reader you are. Okay. If you just want to skim and get the facts, thank you, you're going to gravitate more towards the Gospel of Mark. Okay. Not only does everything happen immediately, but it's the shortest of the Gospels, so it's fastest to read. If you like a rich story with lots of metaphor, then you're going to prefer the Gospel of John because it reads like a rich, metaphoric, poetic book. Okay. They tell the same story at the heart of it. But the Gospel of John, events happen differently. The timeline is a little different. There's lots of little pieces that are different. The Last Supper is very different in the Gospel of John than it is in the Synoptics. Okay. Because it's trying to show another side of the story. At the heart, it's the same, but it just reads different. When you preach on the Gospel of John, do you come back to the I am statements a lot, or is it something you only touch on maybe once or twice? Good question. I touch on it if it comes up. Okay. And again, it's hard because... Is it peppered throughout or is it constant? It's peppered throughout and it doesn't come up very much unless you're doing the bread statements, okay. right? And then you're stuck with the bread metaphor for so long that everybody just feels bloated at the end. <laughs> um, so this is hard to preach on because this is like a theological construct concept. Sure. And me telling you about this doesn't give you a different way to live in your life this week. Oh, that's fair. Right? There's no action for you to live your faith out. There's no point to this other than to say, hey, look at this really cool thing that John does. Yeah, it's hard to be the fruit on the vine, like, as a thing. Right? I mean, I could take the fruit on the vine, but if I'm trying to explain that him saying I am is connecting him back to the historic Exodus passage, Mm -hmm. that's just cool, nerdy information. That doesn't necessarily tell you live your life in a new way. Sure. And when I preach, I really try to connect the day's events with our call to faith. Sure. And so things like cool kind of nerdy Greek stuff actually doesn't come up in my preaching all that often. Interesting. The signs come up more. Well, that makes sense. I preach on the difference between signs and miracles a lot more because 
with that, we're called to an action. We're called to look for what the sign is pointing to. Mm -hmm. And that I can give you something to take into your week, right? But just saying, Jesus is really making the point that Jesus is a part of the Trinity here Mm -hmm. by saying, I am these things. That doesn't call you necessarily to a specific action. Sure. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Do you enjoy the I am statements when they come up or is it something you try to avoid? I do enjoy them in the nerdy way that I like the mystical stuff. Mm -hmm. And this really does kind of key towards that mystical side of God and Jesus. And so I do enjoy that part, but it's really hard to preach on. Sure. It really is heady stuff that's fun to teach in a Sunday school class or an adult education class or a podcast. Doesn't lend itself to a sermon as easily, though, huh? Not in my style of preaching. Interesting. I just don't do biblical expert all that much. I'll take one of the metaphors and run with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I could easily do an entire sermon on I am the light of the world. And what does that have to say about us and what we need to do in our world? Mm -hmm. I have done that. I was going to say, I think I've been witness to some of that. Right. The the flashlight sermon Mm -hmm. is absolutely taking that and running with it. But just to talk about the Greek structure... Yeah, unless I know I got some folks in the room that day who really just want some, I don't know, biblical nerdiness stuff and Mm -hmm. not so much life challenge stuff. I'm not going to preach on it. All right, fair enough. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the I Am Statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you for joining us and listening in. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org or leave us a message on Facebook. As always, we invite you to leave us a review on iTunes. And remember, until we are back in your ears again, God loves you no matter what.